Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the Sailing and Cruising the East Coast of the United States podcast. I'm Bela Musitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. This is our podcast about sailing the East Coast of the United States. In some episodes, we'll focus on passages and destinations. In other episodes, we talk about boats, equipment, and techniques. And when we come across an interesting person, we'll try to get them as a guest on the show. Mike, great to be here together again. And uh, today's a special episode, isn't it? Yeah, Bailey, great to see you too, and happy 100th. Not your age, okay? Nobody should get too alarmed here, but this is our 100th episode of the podcast. It's pretty cool. Uh, what do you think? How are we going to celebrate? Well, that's a good question. You and I kind of kicked this around. What should we do for the 100th episode? And uh, so I think where we've ended up is we're going to reflect back a little bit on some of the things that we've talked about and maybe try to look a little bit into the crystal ball and into the future uh, to see what uh, some future episodes may hold. Um, but, you know, I've really enjoyed, I enjoyed all of this. Our first episode got released on November 4th in 2020. So uh, that was a, a little while ago, and we've pretty much been doing episodes every other week. That's sort of been our schedule. And it's really been enjoyable, and it's been enjoyable to do them with you. I sort of remember our conversation when I said, "Hey, Mike, why don't we start a sailing podcast?" And and you said, "Well, I know nothing about sailing." And I said, "That's exactly what makes it perfect." Yeah, and and you're right. I mean, I've learned a lot, and hopefully, having this outside perspective has made the conversations a little more interesting. I don't know. It seems like the number of listeners has been going up, so you know, we're doing something right, I guess. But. I like this idea of both reflecting backwards and looking forward a little bit. It's always a nice kind of, I think, thing to do is to take a little bit of, get a little perspective, but but also plan ahead. So maybe I'll start. Um, one of the points that's really impacted my thinking and my learning about sailing uh, during the last 100 episodes is all the different ways that people sail. Like I had this kind of unitary idea, I think, when I started this, that people just jump in a sailboat and go for a sail, right? Kind of makes sense. You see the boats go in and out of the marina and, okay, great. Somebody's on with their family going for a sail. But we've talked to such a diverse set of people. Like, yeah, in my mental model of casual weekend sailors, right, jumping out for a few hours or a day, right? Yeah, we've talked to plenty of them. 
Then there's these people making these long distance trips and that's kind of a whole new world. I kind of knew they existed, but just thinking through the process of going through all that from the planning to the preparation to the actual trip itself and what happens and how you feel afterward, that's been really cool. We've talked to a few sailboat racers and that's kind of a world I didn't know anything about. Kind of knew it existed from America's Cup, but didn't really realize that there was every every week, right? Every day, every Thursday and Friday at a marina, right? Somewhere near you, right? There's races. So that was kind of cool. And then the liveaboards. I mean, again, kind of knew there were people that lived in these houseboats, but I didn't really realize that there were people who just live in their sailboats all the time and then take it out for a sail when they want to go somewhere. So um, I was re really been surprised by the wide variety of maybe we can call them use cases. I don't know. Has that been surprising to you at all? Or what are your thoughts, Bela? Well, it the, the way you said that helps me think about why there's so many different designs of boats. There's there's just this huge spectrum of various different configurations, designs, and uh, fin keels, and full keels, and tall masts, and short masts, and two masts. <laughs> and and I'm always puzzled. Why is it why is it like that? I mean, you look at cars. If you look at automobiles, there's basically the four door sedan, and if you look at each manufacturer's four-door sedan, they all pretty much look the same, right? The night, the 2023 version of everyone's four-door sedan is pretty much the same. And the same thing with everyone's version of the SUV. It's pretty much looks the same as, you know, and from, from 100 feet, I'd be hard to tell the difference between brand A and brand B. But in sailboats, it's, it's all over the map. And, and I think it's because of the various different use cases. It's the way people use their boats so that the, the designers who design these things say, okay, I'm going to design this for a liveaboard, which means there's a way you want to do certain things because that's important to the person who's living aboard. Whereas a racer, they have different parameters. So I think that's the one clarity that's, that really through this podcast has sort of helped me understand uh, why that has why it is that way uh so that was i think that's been for at least to me it's been a great result of talking to all these different people and then thinking about sailing sort of in a, a little different way neat what else has kind of been the things that you've really noticed um along the way so far what's what's, what's been the patterns that you've seen yeah so you know i i was i looked back over our 99 previous episodes and uh we've had this interesting kind of uh collection of topics right we've we've talked a, a bunch about different destinations from places like wickford rhode island which is right on narragansett bay where where i keep my boat uh marion massachusetts shelburne nova scotia cape may in new jersey uh sandy hook in the northern part of new jersey the azores in spain crossing the atlantic crossing the english channel in the bay of biscay so we've had guests on who've talked about all of these different things. So it's given people sort of insight, again, as how different people use their boats, uh, the different type of boats that exist, and the different types of adventures that you can, you can have on a boat. Uh, and then we had a, a couple of episodes about sort of the boat buying experience and what's that sort of about, right? So people want to buy a boat. So how do you do that? What are the things to look for? And then, again, it goes back to this kind of maybe the theme here is that how are you going to use your boat? If, are you going to race it? Are you going to live on it? Are you going to cruise on it for a day, 
day day trips or are you going for week-long trips? Because that's going to influence the type of boat you want to buy. And then we interviewed a, a broker, a boat broker, who sort of talked about the ins and outs of buying a boat and why you should use a, a, a broker. And then I remember we did one episode because one of the things that everyone talks about doing when you buy a boat is getting a survey. So the survey is sort of the equivalent to the home inspection before you buy a house. It's the boat inspection. The professional comes in and inspects the boat. And we we did a little episode about what the surveyor missed on my boat. And it was a good, reputable surveyor. Right? I'm not knocking the surveyor, but it's a complicated thing and you're going to miss some things. So I thought that was pretty cool. The other, the other things we've talked about is sort of the various, not only different types of boats, but also the various different ways that you can get access to sailing. So you can buy a boat, but that's not the only way to do it. You can charter a boat, which is fundamentally renting a boat for a, a day, a week, or two weeks. Um, or you can sail on other people's boats. <laughs> you can go down to the local yacht club or marina, and chances are either on a Wednesday night or Thursday night, they're going to have some races, and there, somebody there will be looking for crew. And you don't have to have much skill. They'll take you on. And they'll show you stuff and teach you stuff. And it's a great way to get out and kind of get into the community and, and get to sail on other people's boats. So those are just a couple of the things that I reflected back that we've talked about on the various different episodes. And all of those, you know, there was a little nugget or two in there, I think, for everyone. And certainly for me, there was a couple nuggets in each one. I said, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that before. What yeah, about you, Mike? Sure. And you... You look at what our goals were when we started, and we were originally really just talking about destinations, remember? But then we kind of, as we unpacked this, um, there was so much more with kind of the seasonal maintenance cycles and all these other kind of issues that we talked about. I think it's been, to me, it's been fascinating. The, the second big point that I really enjoyed, and this is, again, with my limited sailing experience, remembering back to my first sailing trip in, I must have been 1983 or 1984, the evolution of technology in sailing, you know, from paper charts um, to electronic equipment on board that you had in your cockpit. And now the apps that you have, everybody has on their phone for the most part. Um, it's really, it's really changed. And I think it's changing more rapidly now in the last few years than it was in the decades before. Um, but what struck you about the range of technologies that sailors have access today kind of versus, you know, a few years ago versus when you started sailing? You know, I have often reflected back over the last couple of years with this boat when I'm out sailing around and I ask myself, how would I have done this if I didn't have GPS? And many times the answer is I wouldn't have done it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So that, that has a, a good side and a bad side. Some, sometimes this technology gives you a little bit more confidence or makes you more uh, you're willing to take more risk because of the technology because you think the technology is going to protect you so you have to be a little bit careful about that and, and tuned into that a little bit uh you know i have come in to a harbor i would say at dusk i won't say in the dark i came into my home harbor once in the dark and it was it was nerve-wracking <laughs> Uh, mm -hmm. And this is recently, right? Which with the new boat with GPS, mm -hmm. and I've come into I've come into new harbors at dusk and with GPS. And I would there's no way I would have done that 20 years ago with paper charts. I mean, 
unless it was like an emergency and I just had to do it. There's just no way I would I would do that. So I think that's been just it's game changing. The GPS has just been game changing. And you know, 10, 10 years ago or 15 years ago, it was you know four thousand dollars to get it on your boat. Now it's on your freaking phone. And and there's an app that you can pay 30 bucks a year for. <laughs> And, and you have the marine charts and you have GPS. It's just, it's phenomenal. The other other yeah. great invention recently has been this AIS, which is the, I think it stands for Automatic Identification System. And it's basically my boat transmits a signal out that transmits its uh, location, its GPS location, its direction, and its speed and the name of the boat. And other boats have, and, I, and so other boats can receive that information and other boats transmit their information and I, I can see that. So I can, I can tell which direction boats are and boats around me. Now, not everyone has it, uh, but that's also very, very helpful, particularly with commercial vessels when you're in a, you know, Narragansett Bay does have some sip, sh a shipping channel on it and the Port of Providence pretty busy. So every day there's, two or three big freighters or barges that that come up the bay in one direction or the other. And there's a big car carport further further south on the bay. Uh, so we get a fair amount of big ships. And it's, you know, that's really nice to have. I think the other thing is interesting is, is the weather apps. So there's all these various different weather apps that you can get. And I often have to remind myself it's still just a prediction, <laughs> right? Right. It's not For sure. It's it, it right. It's a model. It's a mathematical model. And uh, people will argue about the various different models and which ones are better and which ones are worse and blah, 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 blah. But it's still a model. And it astonishes me how often these weather apps will say, okay, this afternoon, the wind will be five to 10 knots and from the west and i'll go out and lo and behold it's 20 knots it's still from the west but it's 20 knots it's not five to ten and the difference between 10 knots and 20 knots on a boat is huge <laughs> it's the difference between for many people from comfort to getting very nervous yep so uh, the, that's a big error, right? When we're talking about, you yeah. know, it's a 50% error or more, right? Then that's, that's a lot of error when you're planning right. something and it's just, yeah, it's a natural system that defies total prediction. We've got our predictions have gotten better and better, but they're far from perfect. It's right. fascinating. And, and, and I think because we have all this information on our phones or our electronic devices yep. yeah. and the GPS right is, here. and the GPS is super accurate. The AIS is super accurate. All the other things we do is super accurate. Weather is one of the few things that we have on our phones that's a prediction of the future. And I think we often in our own minds take, give it too much, too much uh, value. We say, oh, that's what's going to happen. Well, lo and behold, it's it may not happen. <laughs> it may be different. And then you're not prepared. And as we've talked to several people, right, when you're not prepared is when something bad happens, you know? Right. So it is, it's not understanding the error rates that go with weather production. The app is nice and glossy. It looks really convincing, right? But it's really based on a model of a natural system that is inherently unpredictable. Right, right. Interesting. What other takeaways you got, Mike? I think another kind of, maybe the third and final one that I'll share 
um, is the nature of the sailing community being friendly and helpful and kind. And as we've gone through and we've heard more and more stories of people being helpful and caring and kind, this these stories have kind of stacked on top of each other so that it's a really consistent, almost without exception kind of set of stories. And at the same time, when we look at the world around us, we seem to see and again, maybe this is perception, right? But we seem to see less and less of these kind of behaviors in the rest of the world. So I think, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but to me, this what drives this? Why is this community um, more caring and helpful than the general community, if my assumption is correct? And is there a way that we can bottle this and get the rest of society to think this way again? I don't know. Thoughts on that, Bela? Am I out of my mind or something to it? Uh, you may be out of your mind, but that's a whole mm -hmm. other issue. Uh, but your observation, I think, is 100% correct. And, and we've talked about this several times in various different episodes, how there is this just great community around boaters uh, that's willing to help each other. And, and I'm not just saying help each other when, you know, you fall overboard, someone will come pick you up. Yes. I mean, there's actually an obligation to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but to help each other sort of in other uh, nicer ways, uh, or, or less, less life threatening ways from, you know, helping you fix something on your boat, sharing some knowledge. Uh, and I think it has to do with this sense of community and connection. So there's this common thing that we all do. We, we, we love our boats. We love going out on the water and it brings people together from all various different walks of life. And it really don't care. People don't seem to care whether whether you're a Fortune 500 CEO of a company, and you know you make millions of dollars a year, or whether you're a young couple who basically sold everything they had and bought a boat for ten thousand dollars and are fixing it up and plan to live on it. it and we've had that range on the show. We really have. Yeah. We've had that exact range on the show in the hundred episodes. But yeah. this generosity, maybe generosity is the right word. This generosity yeah. of time and insight, right, has been consistent throughout the, the, the you know, regardless of who we're we've talked to. Yeah, generosity is a good, a good word for that. And, you know, I wonder, it, it, at least you, we've, we've all seen uh, movies about the small little town in Kansas <laughs> where, you know, there's a couple hundred people who live there. They all know each other. And they and you get, at least from the movies, you get that same sense of generosity. Um, and, and maybe that's a fallacy. Maybe it's not. But it's certainly, I agree with you, it's certainly something, uh, particularly in this country and maybe around the world as well, that we've seen, we have seemed to get much more uh, divisive. We've, we've, we've seemed to get much more polarized. And it reminds me of sort of the the way sports talk radio is or was, right? If you were if you were sports talk radio in Boston, uh, if you didn't root for one of the Boston teams, you were the enemy, <laughs> right? And and we mm -hmm. sort of polarized our media and many other things, sort of the same way that sports talk radio was always sort of very polarized, uh, and it, you just don't see that in the maybe there's a little bit of well there's a motor boater and that's a sailor right there so there's a little bit of that sort of uh pushing back and forth uh but 
man, if you're in the marina and someone needs help or you're work, I can't, I, I, it just, it's an amazing how many times I've been, you know, in the cockpit of my boat with, with, you know, parts on, on the table out there and I'm scratching my head trying to figure out where these things go or something. And someone will walk by and say, Hey, hey you need a hand. It's just remarkable because those things don't happen in normal parts of life. So, right. And they don't say, a, Oh, you're on a catamaran and I only like people that have single hold boats. Right. 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 Not an issue. Not an issue. So you're, I, I, I agree with you hundred percent. If there's some way to bottle this, and and get this to propagate through the rest of society it'd be a much better place on the on the earth and people who are sailors capture this in your heart and then figure out a way to take it in the rest of your life too you know i mean this is another thing that voters can be the group that kind of spread this mentality um leading through example i don't know interesting thought what about looking forward bela like to me it might be interesting for our listeners to explore you know at least it's in my face here in Germany a lot is both the near term and the potential long-term impacts of climate change on sailing in the East coast of the U S it seems like being on the water and being on the ocean is one place where we're really seeing and feeling a lot of impacts early on of climate change. I don't know. Do you think this is something that um, we should be really thinking about in more detail and talking about in the next hundred episodes? Well, that that's a good question. Clearly, I don't I, I haven't been sailing long enough to be able to say that you know the X, Y, and Z is different this year than it was 30 years ago. Um be, and, and part of the challenge for me is that the seasonal changes are much more drastic than the changes from season from the from the summer of 2000 to the summer of 2023. Right. In other words, it, because we go through these four seasons here, right? And and it's drastic changes, but clearly stuff is changing. I mean, we know cl climate changes here. I'm I'm not trying to uh, say it's not. It's clearly here. It, Earth's getting warmer. The Earth has never been in steady state. So the, the the notion is the climate's changing. So the question is, what can we do to help slow it down or or respond to it like hurricanes and tropical storms have been going up right then both right. the number and the severity at least the data that i've looked at how do so we what, do, what how can, do you how do, how do sailors deal with that right right what can we do what can we do that that minimizes the impact of of uh, on on earth i would just say on earth it's not just about sure. climate <laughs> to me sure. it's about it's about all every our impact on right from on emissions the place we to live. plastic single use plastic right. usage to, right yeah the materials right. used to on the boat yeah and I'll tell you one thing be, being out on the water really tunes you into the weather I mean you are very aware of how windy it is how big the waves are is it sunny is it cloudy right when I'm in my house I, I'm just I'm sort of insulated from all that kind of stuff but man when I'm on the water I am focused and tuned into that so so it's really important and and uh so i think the big question is you know how can we minimize our impact on on the earth now the other thing the other point i want to make is sailors are really tuned into energy consumption because i think the whole our, the whole thing going on is about fossil fuels and and so sailors are really tuned into that. It's top of mind not just energy consumption but resource management managing your water managing your electricity right all those types of things because you're you're sort of you're off the grid and you're sort of your own little 
village from that perspective. Uh, you have a water system, you have a sewer system, you have a power generation system. So it's top of mind. And it's interesting, I was, I was thinking about this the other day, how 10, 15 years ago, the way that most people generated electricity on a boat was either a generator, so a diesel-fired generator, or a wind generator. So they would have a little wind turbine, maybe two feet in diameter, on their boat, and it would generate electricity. And now I would say it's probably 90% of people who live on their boat and our cruisers, it's solar. It's Solar has taken over. It is the predominant way that people generate electricity. Uh, and, and so that's sort of interesting, right? It's gone from generators to wind, to wind power to solar. And it's often made me think, I want, is, this, is that a predictor of what's going to happen in the rest of the world in the future, right? Is really solar and as solar technology and solar cells improve, is that going to be the way? And then, of course, the challenge is storing that electricity. And, and that's gotten much better, continues to get better. It's still not super great. Um, and I think you now see more and more people starting to think about, and even manufacturers coming out as an option in buying a new boat, electric drives, mm -hmm. which I think is pretty cool. Mm -hmm, for right? sure. Just, just like there's electric cars, right? People are, and mm -hmm. particularly in a sailboat, it makes, it, it makes a lot of sense because you can do it. You typically, you don't, you don't need to go fast. You don't need a ton of power like in a motorboat. Uh, or a power boat or a trawler or something. But yeah, you can see that starting to happen. So I think solar's increasing uh, in its usage. Wind is decreasing. Diesel generators are decreasing. And I think you're going to see more and more electric drives come out on, on I think, particularly sailboats and other, and other boats where, again, the range is, is, you know, not a, you're not trying to go nonstop from Florida to Nova Scotia on a power boat. So anyway, uh, I think, I think, um, a good question, Mike. And I think we should, we should see if we can get some folks on who can maybe talk about some of the technology, technology trends going on and, and it's move away from fossil fuels, uh, in sort of the marine industry. Yeah. I mean, sailing is definitely one of the most sustainable options, I think, in transportation of getting you from point A to point B. Um, and can we, you, we go the last mile and make that diesel outboard or the diesel inboard engine that's sitting on the back and the fuel tank um, going away uh, as well or, or used less and less? So, yeah, I think that's a, that's a cool thing looking forward. And, yeah, really interested to hear more from people who are using their sailboats in different ways and exploring different parts of the world and going on these challenges. We've talked to so many people that have really created life challenges for themselves that they wanted to accomplish with their families or with their friends and, and kind of transform their lives. So I, I really hope we do more of these stories of how sailing really transforms people's lives and makes their lives more meaningful and valuable because I think we've just seen time after time great example of this. And that's been one of these current themes that I hope we keep continuing. So lots to look forward to um, and lots to be thankful for as we look back on 100 episodes. Bela, what do you think? Time to wrap it up? Yeah, I think so. Let's let's uh, wrap this one up, Mike. Sure. Well, thanks for joining us for the 100th time, and we hope you found our conversation interesting and thought-provoking as usual. If you have questions about what we've discussed, feel free to get in touch with us. Our email is sailingtheeast, all one word, at gmail.com. Hey, and again, thank you for all of our listeners for uh, 
uh, bearing through 100 episodes and making this uh, a successful podcast for us and certainly very enjoyable for Mike and I. We've got to talk to a bunch of interesting people and we've got to talk about a bunch of interesting topics. So uh, I hope you guys continue to enjoy the show uh, as we do as well. So uh, if you know someone who might be a good guest on the show or you know someone who might maybe can talk a little bit about some of the trends in, uh, in boating and sailing, like uh, electric drives, energy storage, et cetera, uh, pass those names our way. We'd love to have a chat with them and get them as a guest on the show. Uh, Mike, is uh, there's about an inch of snow out here outside my window in chilly upstate New York. Uh, I've been skiing, so that has started, and I'm starting to think about sailing <laughs> because as soon as I start skiing, I start thinking about sailing. So um, hopefully in a few more months, it'll warm up and uh, I can get the boat uncovered and back in the water. So until next time, signing off from upstate New York. See you all soon. Sounds great, Balin, from over here in Münster, Germany. We'll see you next time.